James chapter 3 and woo, Lord, if you're anything like me, you have heard a lot of things this past week, a lot of opinions, a lot of worldly wisdom. A lot of knowledge that is masquerading as wisdom. A lot of thoughts. A lot of noise. Now, beloved, hear the word of God. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Let's ask for God's help as we dive into his word this morning. Lord, we need you to speak. We need you to break through the noise of our own thoughts. Break through the distractions of our own hearts and do what you are perfect at. Get a word into your people. Holy Spirit, plant it deep within our hearts so that it might bear much fruit. You deserve all the glory and all the honor. And we thank you, O Lord, in advance for what you will do by you speaking to us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Back when I was an eighth grade history teacher, that's right, I was an eighth grade history teacher, I would sort of switch things up on a weekly basis because, you know, I wanted to be the cool teacher, right? So every Friday... We would pause class with all of these eighth graders, and I started what we called Riddle Friday. And I put a riddle up on the chalkboard. You remember those, you know what chalkboard is? Get your hands all clothes all dirty. Yes, yeah, we have. We had a chalkboard. I would put a riddle up on a chalkboard, and if the kids got it right, they would get no homework for the weekend. I was the cool teacher. Let me give you one of the riddles I gave to my class back in the day. Here's the riddle. Are you ready? 
You ready? All right, amen. Here's the riddle. You walk to a mountain, and on this mountain there are two paths. One path leads to the other side of the mountain, and one path leads you to being lost forever. As you come to this mountain, you run into a set of twins. You get to ask those twins one question that will guide you to the right path. One question and one question only. Here's the thing. One of those twins always lies. And one of those twins always tells the truth. You only get one question. Here's the question. What do you ask to make sure you get on the right path? We're going to participate, so I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. It's going to be some pastoral, congregational interaction. Anybody know the answer? You were at the first service. No cheating. If you were here for the 9 a.m. service, don't be cheating. You don't get to cheat. One question. Anybody know the answer? Y'all look like the faces of my eighth graders when I ask the same question. Chancey, is that your hand raised? Your hand isn't raised. Okay, I was making sure. You good? You good? He's like, oh, no, please don't call on me. Please don't. You got the answer? What is it? Which way should I go? I'm going to tell you what I told the eighth grader that gave the same answer. That was a great attempt. <laughs> but it's wrong. <laughs> Here's the answer. I don't want to look at me like, what is, you'll be distracted for the whole sermon thinking about this riddle. Here's the answer. You only get one question. You ask this question. What would the other brother say is the right way to go? Here's why. If you're talking to the liar, right, you say, hey, liar, what would your brother say is the right way to go? Let's say the right way is left. The liar, knowing that his brother would tell the truth, but he's a liar, would give you the wrong answer. He would say, go right, right? You're talking to the truth teller. You say, hey, which way would your brother say to go? Now, this is the truth teller knowing his brother, he would say, go right. So both answers are right. You choose the opposite way. Got it? Some of y'all get it once y'all get in the car. <laughs> Here we have in the book of James. James is going to present to us two wisdoms. Now, worldly standards, people might say, well, wisdom is wisdom is wisdom is wisdom. All wisdom is the same. But what James is going to show us in James chapter 3 is that, nah, though they may look alike in some instances, one wisdom always lies, and it leads you down a lost path. And one wisdom always tells the truth, and it leads you to the other side. Let's explore these wisdoms in James chapter 3. You remember from a couple of weeks ago that wisdom is not just acquiring a bunch of facts, right? That's knowledge. Knowledge is just accumulating a whole lot of information. That's not wisdom. So if you want to be wise, you're not saying, how much more information should I know? If you want to be wise, you're saying, 
how can I apply what I already know? Knowledge is facts. Wisdom is the proper application of truth. Illustration I gave was that knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in a fruit salad. Knowledge is knowing that God is a forgiving God. Wisdom is stop trying to hide your sin from him. Knowledge is God God invites the broken in. Wisdom is take off the mask. He's, he's, He's inviting us in. So James is going to explore these two things as he talks about wisdom. Now, you have to understand in the cultural context in which James is writing, wisdom was everything. The the wise people of James's day were like the superstars of our day. They're like the professional athletes of our day. Everybody wanted to be wise. As a matter of fact, brothers, you would have young men in James's day who would actually dye their hair gray in order to seem more wise. It's kind of the opposite of the day. Brothers doing exactly dying it black to seem younger. But in James's day, it's like, how can we be wise? I want to be wise. I want to aspire to that. So when James asked the question in verse 13, who among you is wise? I imagine in the congregation, there were some hand raises. Like, yeah, James, I, I got it. I'm I'm wise. I got a little wisdom. I've been following the wise leaders of our day. I've been listening to them, James. I'm, I'm wise. And then James expounds. He says, oh, you're wise. You have understanding. By your good conduct, should you show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. So see, brothers and sisters, wisdom is not just knowing. Wisdom leads to action. See, the earthly wisdom, the the brother who lies, says to you, it's just knowledge. It's just get a bunch of information. But James says, no, wisdom leads to good conduct. I love that phrase in there, good conduct, good behavior. Oftentimes, if you're like me, when you hear the word good behavior, good conduct, you start to think about like a lesson prison sentence, right? You you get out early for good conduct or good behavior, right? That's not what James is talking about. When James uses the word good here, he's talking about lovely or beautiful or attractive. James uses the word kalos to talk about wisdom or goodness. And the the word kalos, we get our word calligraphy from. Calligraphy literally means beautiful writing. Writing that doesn't just say something, but it is something. It doesn't just express a thought, but it invites you in. It brings you in. It is beautiful. And it, it is beautiful. Let me give you an example. Let me show you my handwriting. This is, that's okay, you can laugh at my handwriting, it's all good. I've been laughed at since third grade for my handwriting. This is my handwriting. 
This is not one of my kids' handwriting. When I wrote this, I was not trying to impress y'all. This is how I write on a daily basis when I write anything, which is why I type everything. This is, what, this is my handwriting. You can read it. it well, maybe you can't. It, it says, I am a Christian. Did anybody get that? Anybody read that right? You got it? Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you, brother. I am a Christian. That, it makes a statement, but it looks terrible. Right? It's, it's true, but it's not attractive at all. It's not beautiful at all. It's not lovely at all. It doesn't invite you in. Let's contrast that to some calligraphy. I am a Christian. See, it's making a statement, but it's also beautiful. It's also attractive. It's also lovely. This is the point that James is getting at, brothers and sisters, in James chapter 3. There are a lot of Christians who say, I am a Christian, but our lives look like my handwriting. The statement is true, but it's not attractive. It's not beautiful. It's not lovely. In contrast, James says, if we are wise, our lifestyle should be like walking calligraphy billboards. I'm a Christian. Let me show you that I'm a Christian. Let me show you how I love you. Let me show you how I work with you through your brokenness. Let me show you by my hospitality. Let me show you by my patience. Let me show you by my long suffering. Everything that we are, it amplifies what we say. It's attractive. It's lovely. It's beautiful. James says, if we're wise, that's what our lives should show. But wisdom, brothers and sisters, not only, not only good works, it's not only beautiful and attractive and lovely, but wisdom is gentle. You know what gentleness is? It's, it's almost easier to describe gentleness by what it's not. Gentleness is not harsh. It's not prickly. It's not rough. Gentleness as you know, saints, every other Christian characteristic is always expressed in how it's used with other people. Our Christianity always has an object. So no Christian is good inwardly if they're not good with other people. No Christian is kind inwardly if they're not kind to other people, right? What we are with other people expresses the kind of person we truly are. Say, so, well, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a patient person, but you're not patient with anybody. But that, that means how we express with other people, that's, that's who we truly are. Brothers and sisters, our, our Christianity always has an object. This is why we talk about, as we talked about in an announcement, I'm also looking forward to our city groups. Right? It's, it's an opportunity to live in community and express on a public platform what the Lord is doing in our lives. Our Christianity needs an object. We are not island Christians. It's good. It's attractive. It's gentle. 
You know, the common writers of, of James's day would, would use this, this word gentle, and they would use it in the context of, of taming a wild animal. That's, that's me, oh Lord. They would use this word gentle when talking about a, a soothing medicine. Maybe they were talking about Vicks Vapor Rub or something. So soothing. They would use this, this word gentle to talk about a comforting word. Have you ever been in a moment of chaos and somebody spoke, man, the right word into your life and it changed everything? That's how they would use this word gentle. They would, they would use this word gentle to talk about a gentle breeze on a hot day. That's what James says, our Christian lives ought to exhibit. Now James is going to dive in to these two brothers, one who always lies and one who always tells the truth. And before we get into the the meat of James chapter 3, let me give you a high-level overview of what earthly wisdom is and what heavenly wisdom is. Earthly wisdom is all about me. How do I make myself look good? Heavenly wisdom, in contrast, is all about you. How do I actually make you as a person better? So James says in verse 14, man, but if you have bitter envy, and selfish ambition in your heart. Don't boast and deny the truth. Bitter envy, brothers and sisters, is toxic. Bitter envy is not just, I want what you have. Bitter envy is, I hate you for having it. Bitter envy is not just jealousy. It's like, I, I can't stand the fact that you got that and I didn't. Talking about, you know, car, house, relationship, kids, church, giftings of God. Man, it's not that I want that, but I'm, I hate you for having it because it should be mine. Bitter envy is always connected to selfish ambition, as James does in the text here. I hate that you have it, and so now I'm constantly in a rivalry against you. Man, in the church, James has to write about this. Like, I need my gifts to outshine your gifts. (laughs) It's always a rivalry. How do I outdo you? How do I one-up you? story is told about this village. There were two men living in the village. One man's name was envious. The other man's name was covetousness. So the king of the village invited both men to his castle. And the king said, I'm going to grant you both one wish. And whoever asks for the wish first is going to get exactly what he asked for. But here's the thing. Whoever asks first, 
the second person is going to get double of what the first person asked for. So the king looked at Envious, and he said, Envious, you go first. You ask, you're going to get whatever you ask for, but covetousness is going to get double of what you ask for. So Envious found himself in a quandary. Man, I, I want to ask something nice for myself, but I don't want him to get double of what I get. I want something nice and attractive, but I don't want to be in a position that he has more than I do. So Envious thought for a moment. He said, okay, king, I got it. I want you to poke out one of my eyes. Brothers and sisters, James has to write about that because it crept into the church. He has to write about that because there are Christians, still are Christians, who would more readily pray that things not get done if you're not the person doing them. Lord, don't do it if I can't shine for doing it. So James has to write and says, this is not heavenly wisdom. This is the lying brother. Selfish ambition, always jealous, always envious, y'all. That's the lying brother. And it leads us down a lost path. Not only that, but did you notice in the, in the scripture, man, how James sort of has like this ascending order of badness that this wisdom is. Look at verse 15. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. And man, James, you went too far. You called it demonic. Like, I'm okay with a little, you know, earthly wisdom. I'm okay with a little unspiritual wisdom. But man, James, you want to call my wisdom demonic? Let's describe these three characteristics of earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is, is here-centered. Earthly wisdom is all about now. Whatever happens right now, man, that's all that matters. This election, what happens next week, it's all that matters. Earthly wisdom sees time as long and eternity as short when in actuality it's reversed. Man, time is short and eternity is long. Earthly wisdom sees man as big and God as small. Crucifies Christ rather than worshiping Christ. Not only is it earthly, but it's unspiritual. This unspiritual wisdom leaves no room for the will or work of God. God, you're not able or competent to do it. If it gets done, I have to be the one that does it. It is a miracle-less wisdom. It's a wisdom that leads to nagging instead of praying. It's a wisdom that thinks that God can reform our morals, but can't man resurrect the dead. Not only that, saints, but this wisdom as James is sort of climbing the ladder, it is demonic, a.k.a. it's satanic. It would rather leave the presence and glory of God than get up, give up any one ounce of his power. 
This is what Satan did. And you know, back in the beginning, he was in the presence of God, and he would rather leave God's presence than give up his autonomy, give up him being a law to himself. When given the choice between God or power, this wisdom always chooses power. Man, it's an earthly wisdom. But brothers and sisters, praise God. There's another brother. Praise God, there's a brother who always tells the truth, who leads us down the right path, and that brother is found in verse 17. I love how the ESV translates. Typically, when I'm preaching, I will preach from a translation called the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. But oftentimes, I'll preach from that translation, and I will sort of sneak over to the ESV or the English Standard Version. Those are like my two main versions, and I, and I love how the ESV translates James 3.17. Listen to this. But wisdom from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable. There's that peace word. And then it's gentle. Gentle again. And then it's open to reason. Lord have mercy. We need that word today. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It is impartial and it's sincere. Love that. How do, James, how do we get that wisdom? Y'all, this, this wisdom does not reside in us. So James says, first and foremost, this wisdom is from above. In other words, James saying this wisdom only comes through Christ Jesus. He is our wisdom. So Paul writes in Corinthians, and he says, yet to those who are called, Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, and man, Christ is the wisdom of God. You do not get wisdom if you do not get Christ. You have to go straight through Christ to get wisdom. And when you go through him, you find out that he is the wisdom of God. Not only that, in Colossians it says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Y'all, every day is like a treasure hunt when we search Christ out. And every day he reveals more and more facets of his wisdom. Handing over treasures to us, treasures that don't fade or things that don't rot or rust. Not only that, but it goes on. It says, it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for you and I, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus Christ is the true brother. He's the one that always tells the truth. He's the one that leads us down that correct path. James says it is from above, but then he, he goes on and says this wisdom is, is peaceable. Did you get that? This wisdom is peaceable. Y'all, four times, four times in these few verses, James uses the word wisdom. And four times in these few verses, James uses the word peace. God doesn't have a stuttering problem. He wants us to get it. So he repeats it over and over 
and over and over again. Peace, peace, peace loving, cultivating peace. Be about peace. Y'all, it is not of Christ to be a divisive person. Y'all know it and I know it. This world is full of divisive people. And yet James interrupts us and he says to us four times in a few verses, peace, 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 peace. If, if, if sort of division and, and discord and strife are following you around, brothers and sisters, it's not the other person. It's, it's you. It's, it's me. It follows us around like that little dirty blanket from Charlie Brown. Y'all remember who that was, Linus, that little dirty blanket, fog and dust everywhere he went, was everywhere he walked, dust and dirt. I don't know why his parents let him keep that little nasty blanket. He had some parenting classes. But that, that's what James says. If, if division and discord follow us around, it's, we're, we're not looking out there for the problem. We ought to be looking in our hearts. Not only that, but... Man, James says the, the heavenly wisdom from the brother who doesn't lie, it is, it is impartial. The, the CSB says it is unwavering, meaning that we don't change our position based upon who we're talking to. A few weeks ago, we talked about impartiality mean looking at the face of someone, looking at the surface of someone and formulating an opinion based upon surface things. For instance, like, man, I, you know, I just hang with black folks because, you know, they black folks. James says, man, that's, that's the lying, brother. That's partiality. Or I just hang with white folks. I'm just more comfortable with them. James says, man, that's partiality. Or you know what? You know what? I just, I don't really get Democrats. You know, I just, I just can't talk to them. I know I know they're, they're Christian, but I just, they don't get it. James says, that, that's the lying brother leading us down that path of, I don't, I can't stand Republicans. Like, I, I can't get with them. I'm only in a clique with those who agree exactly with what I agree with. James says, that's, that's partiality. And that is from, James says, the lying brother. Let me give us some helps when it comes to partiality. So give us three guides to sort of fence us in from becoming partial, from becoming clickish. The first one of this. All, all are created in the image of God. Y'all, God knit together every person that has been created. He is personally involved with every person that walks this planet. They're all created in the image of God. So we should say to ourselves, man, before I say this harsh word or do this non-gentle thing, that person was created in the image of God. Not only that, a second guide is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you, do you know what the word all means in the original language? <laughs> it means you too. It means me too. 
All means that the moment I'm getting ready to judge this person for their sin, Romans 3.23 slaps me in the back of the head and says, Stephen, you're a sinner too. But for the grace of God go I. That helps us against partiality. It helps us against sort of like, you did that? My goodness, I can't believe that. Like all of our sin before God is, man, they're filthy rags. Third guide is this, man. Christ is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near through Christ to God. God is able to save anybody. That person you can't stand, Christ can save them. That person you think their sin is, is too big that Christ can't rescue them, he can run after them and he can catch them. He can save everybody, anybody that he wants to, to the uttermost, those who would come to God through Christ. This, this helps us with our partiality. This helps us with our thinking, man, that person is unsavable. This helps us not thinking that, man, that person is too far gone. Nah, the, the Bible reminds us that if, if, if you name the name of Christ, Anybody can be saved. Helps us. Last word James uses. I love this last word. It's, it's sincere. Literal word is it means not being a hypocrite. Like we, it's wisdom from the one who always speaks the truth. It's, it's not wearing a, a mask. It's, it's, it's not faking the funk. It's not pretending we're somebody that we're not. Why? Well, man, Hebrews 7.25. God is able to save to the uttermost. Why are we pretending that we're something that we're not? Why are we pretending out of envy? Why are we pretending out of selfish ambition? Why are we pretending out of partiality? James says the wisdom from the one who always speaks the truth says to us, we don't have to be hypocrites. God sees us. And through Christ, he, he calls us. He saves us. I love how James ends this passage in verse 18. He sort of flips the metaphor, if you will, and he gives us in verse 18 sort of like this farming metaphor for all the farmers in the room at Redemption City Church. There's urban farming. Y'all know what y'all laughing at. There's urban farming too. That's a thing, Right? Listen to what he says. He says, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. There's that peace word again. By those who cultivate peace. There's that peace word again. You think God is trying to communicate something to us? It's this farming metaphor that we, that we sow when we plant the seed. The seed is peace. And in the ground in which the seed is planting, it is full of peace. Everything that the Christian does is like, man, we follow after Christ because Christ came down to break down the dividing wall between God and man. And not only the dividing wall between God and man, but also the dividing wall between each other. Divisiveness, discord. It's not from your heavenly father, James says. It's from the adversary who loves it. But not us. We, we sow in peace. We, we put that seed in the ground in, in peace. We, we, we plant in peace. Not only that, we cultivate it in peace, man. We, we till the soil, the, the handle of the shovel that we use is made out of peace. We go in daily and we pull out the weeds of discord. Because they so easily and so quickly rise up, don't they? <laughs> so easily and quickly pop up. 
James says we have to, we not only have to plant in peace, but we have to go back and make sure that the ground in which we planted is safe for our peace. This is what God is calling you and I to. A lifestyle that is, man, it's lovely. And it's attractive. And it's beautiful. Because the world is dying for Christians like that. The world is dying for those who will cultivate peace. And brothers, this, that is true wisdom. Man, the world is, the world is the lying brother. Social media a lot of times is the lying brother. Politics so often is the lying brother lead you down this path to which you're lost. Christ, he's our wisdom. And he speaks the truth. And with Christ, brothers and sisters, there's peace. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, help us. You know we need your, your help, oh, Lord. Without that wisdom that is from above, who is Christ Jesus, we are, we are helpless. Oh, Lord, enable by your grace, by your mercy, may the writing of our lives be attractive to the world that they may see our good conduct and glorify our Father in heaven. To you, O Lord, and to you alone be all the glory. Praying in Christ's name, amen.